Can you name one thing? You can't. And you never have, and you never will, because you are a leech, Ray. You are a professional leech. You know what I came up with, Mac? A concept. I came up with the concept of winning. While you two boys were content to sit back and be a couple of also-rans. I want to take the future. I want to win. And you don't get there by being some aw shucks, nice guy, sad. Coming up, a film and food review of the 2016 film, The Founder. Welcome everyone to the Film and Food Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Roberts, and thank you again for joining us for episode 12. Happy New Year, happy 2021. We have finally got out of the year that was 2020, which was undoubtedly a tough and really, really terrible year for many, many people. But we're in 2021, and I'm really excited to say that we have lots and lots planned for the Film and Food Podcast. We're officially in our second calendar year of existing, of being a podcast, and we're so thankful to all the people who have listened, whether you've just joined or been around for ages. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for listening. And we're going to continue to give you all the good culinary and cinematic goodness that you need in your life. As a podcast, we've been on a break for about two months as I've been on holidays, as the end of the year has meant a really busy time for me in my normal job. But we are back, we are excited, and we have a really, really great episode for you to get back into the Film and Food Podcast and kick off our year really well as we aim and hope to grow as a podcast, to do new things, and to get more and more listeners and more and more supporters and grow the community of the Film and Food Podcast as we go along. But before we talk about this week's episode, I wanted to say all who have been listening and all who are new... Welcome to the Film and Food Podcast. We celebrate all things culinary and cinematic in film. So if you're a foodie or a cinephile or both like me, this is the podcast for you. We produce a bunch of different episodes in all different formats. So there's plenty for you to enjoy. First, we produce film and food review episodes where we give a comprehensive review of a great foodie film. Plus give you a film inspired recipe to try at home. We also do Quick Bites episodes where we catch you up on great film and television from the past and present, plus give you snack Quick Bite recipes for you to try from those different film and TV shows. We also do the Fantasy Film and Food Draft, which is a fun draft style game where we draft amazing food experiences from our favorite director's filmography, from different cinematic universes, or from the movies that we love and enjoy. So there's so much for you to enjoy there. Make sure you check out our other episodes and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you so much for your support. Okay, let's dive into this week's episode. This week's episode is what we call a film and food review. And let me quickly explain what that means. We review a film for both its culinary and cinematic quality. We do this in three segments. First, we look at the menu, giving an intro and some initial thoughts. Then it's time to dine. We dive into the meat of the film, as it were, giving our highlights, our favorite food moments, our favorite film moments. And finally, we give our compliments to the chef, where we give our concluding thoughts and ratings. But wait, there is more. Every film and food review, we give you at least one recipe inspired by that film to try at home, sometimes more. Each recipe has been tested and tried by me. 
every film and food review, we also have a special guest. And I'm so, so excited to say that we have Charlie Bennett on to talk about today's film, the 2016 film starring Michael Keaton, The Founder. This is the story of the rise of McDonald's, and we had an amazing conversation about everything that transpired in this movie. So I think we're ready to dive into this week's episode, a film and food review of the 2016 film, The Founder. Let's look at the menu. Released in 2016, The Founder is the story of Ray Kroc, a salesman who turned Two Brothers Innovative Fast Food Eatery, McDonald's, into the biggest restaurant business in the world, with a combination of ambition, persistence, and ruthlessness. The film is directed by John Lee Hancock, written by Robert Siegel, and stars Michael Keaton, John Carroll Lynch, Nick Offerman, Laura Dern, and Linda Cardellini. John Lee Hancock, of course, rose to public fame with his 2009 film, The Blind Side, and he seems to be a director that loves biopics, that loves looking at true life stories and the intricacies and themes that arise from these really powerful stories. And today's film is just like that. And before we dive into the real spoilers and the heavy thematic discussion and intricate discussion of this film, I want to recommend that you go and watch The Founder. This is a great movie and it will mean that you can really enjoy the rest of this episode. And if you're looking for where you can go and watch The Founder, you can rent it on iTunes, on YouTube, you can watch it on Netflix, or if you're like me and like good old physical media, you can also go and buy this on DVD or Blu-ray, whatever your preference is. So we highly recommend that you check out that movie before you dive into this week's episode, because we are now about to move into Charlie and I's conversation about this movie. We're about to move into our next section, It's Time to Dine. You will hear Charlie and I talk about our highlights of the movie, talk about our favorite film moments, talk about our favorite food moments. Plus, you're going to hear us as we eat the food that we made this week. We're going to talk about the three recipes that we have for you, and we're going to just have a really great conversation about everything, spoilers included, in this film. So, that is your warning, a spoiler warning ahead. We're about to move into our next section. There's going to be lots of spoilers, so if you don't want to be spoiled, go and watch the movie, or if you've seen it already or you don't mind being spoiled, it's time for me to share my conversation with Charlie Bennett, and it's time to dine. All right, everyone. Welcome back to 2021 New Year and first podcast episode of the year. We are welcoming Charlie Bennett. Hello, how do you do? I'm very good. Just ate some good burgers, which we'll talk about later. But mm. Charlie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Chris, I live in the Northern Beaches. I go to the Manly Life Church and I work as an electrician. Very nice. Now, this is the Film and Food Podcast. So basically every guest I have on, I want to talk to them about their favorite of those things. So, tell us some of your favorite movies. Oh, that's a very good question. Um, Some of my favorite movies would be The Prestige with um, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Great movie. It's a very good movie. Um, Inception. I love Inception. And Got a bit of a Nolan theme going on Yeah, here. I'm a very big Nolan fan. I love The Dark Knight as well. I'm a huge Batman fan. But um, one of my 
favourite movies outside of a Nolan movie would have to be... Ooh. Tough question. Tough question. Mm. If I had to pick one, gosh. It would have to go to something probably a bit different and a bit funnier, but completely out there. Um, Step Brothers. Step Brothers. If you've never seen Step Brothers, I think it's one of the most quotable movies I've ever watched. Um, but yeah. What about yourself, Chris? Well, I have a lot of favourite movies and I find it notoriously hard to pick my favourite. I yep. love La La Land. La La Land's a great movie. It is a great movie. Oh my um, I love animated movies like Pixar. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. amazing. Toy um, Story brings me way back. <laughs> we've been watching um, a lot of Studio Ghibli movies lately. Oh, really? Um, so, Spirited Away, House Moving Castle, From Up on Poppy Hill, yeah, yeah, Whisper of the Heart, Ponyo. Amazing. Yeah. They've been so good. So, there's lots of favourites. Now... I know you like to cook a little bit. What's the favorite thing you like to eat or cook when mm. you get an opportunity to and your roommates are going to appreciate it? If I was going to cook anything, I do like a nice carbonara. Really? A homemade um, carbonara. What are you putting in it? Weirdly enough, I make it with... So I make, obviously, with the pasta, bacon, but I don't put chicken in it. Um... And I've also heard of people putting mushrooms in it as well. I don't put mushrooms in it. I usually just go bake, cook the bacon off while I'm boiling the pasta. Put obviously a lot of butter in there to give it some flavour. And then uh, one full egg and then three egg yolks into a um, bowl of sh- like probably a cup of shredded parmesan cheese. Mix it around. Mix the pasta with the bacon. Add a tiny bit more butter just to make it a bit more unhealthy. And then as it's cooking, turn the heat off, let it slowly cool down for probably a minute, and then I'll pour the egg yolk, egg yolks and cheese into it, and it would cook and melt into with the pasta and the bacon. Damn. It tastes very good. That is really good. Mm. Really, really good. Nice. Um, okay, so you came to me with the idea to watch this movie the founder why did you want to watch it well i watched the founder um probably what probably two weeks oh no that week when i told you to watch it actually i watched it and i knew you did the film and food podcast and i was thinking this is my shot this is my opportunity and i'm not throwing away my shot quoting hamilton nice and i was thinking I've got to get on this podcast and this is how I'm doing it. And I went up to you and told you about the movie and luckily you've never seen it. And I haven't seen it. It was brilliant, wasn't it? It's brilliant. You didn't throw away your shot and look at you. You're here. I know, I'm here. I got the call You made up. it in. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, this is your first time and maybe if you're listening, this may be your first time listening to a uh, film and food review. But mm. basically... We start off by looking at the menu, which, you know, is some quick th- thoughts about the movie. And then we dive in 
and we talk about our favorite, like our highlights, favorite yeah. film moments, favorite food moments. Yeah, just yeah. see where the conversation takes us, and then we do ratings at the end, which I'll explain as we go along. So, Charlie, what were your highlights or favorite parts of watching The Founder? My favorite parts of watching The Founder, the scene that sticks out most to me was the first scene when he goes to McDonald's, the original McDonald's, and orders his burger. And he receives his burger and he's blown away by the fact that his burgers come so quickly because in the US at that time, fast food was mainly people on roller roller skates, sorry, going out and delivering the food, but it'd be... To their cars, right? To their cars, yeah. Mm. And they'd take probably 15 to 20 minutes and it wasn't really fast food but it was labeled as that and when he received his burger at the minute he ordered it he was blown away and he couldn't believe it and that scene stuck out to me because at that point he got an idea and i could tell and when he went and took his burger and sat down outside on the park bench and had the family the mother and her three kids sit next to him Mm. And he looked at the McDonald's sign and looked at the kids and the mother. You could tell in his head something was ticking and he was getting an idea and he was thinking, mm. this McDonald's thing, there's something more to it. And at the end of the movie when he explains how um, how McDonald's could really be anything, I feel like that was the scene where he realized McDonald's, that it's not really the system of how they make the fast food and how it's there with you. In under 30 seconds, it's more the fact that McDonald's can be anything. And however you really picture it, it's it's just the name and the feeling you get when you go there. It brings a sense of joy and happiness. And that's how they want you to feel. And that's what he felt he could get people to believe and people to think about and think that's McDonald's and that is a family restaurant or that's McDonald's, that's a great restaurant, great food or really could be anything that you thought of. Mm. No, totally. I think the first, like, I don't know, 15 minutes of it, the movie, I think potentially may be the best part of the movie in that, like, it does a really good job of setting up Ray as this down on his luck, he's trying like he's tried all of these different things. He has rehearsed this exact same speech to try and sell the milkshake, uh, the milkshake maker at mm. the time, um, and he's at all these places trying to sell them and trying to get food, and he's getting the wrong order, and it's always late. And so it's in a very okay. effective way in ten minutes. Like it's mm. already created a great scene when he goes to McDonald's, and as an audience member, like you don't have much dialogue. But as an audience member, you're able to click with him and realize... What feel a, like you feel sorry for him. You feel like he's the hero of the story. Yeah. Well, yeah. What a powerful thing it is to get something in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's in shock, you're also like, yeah, I understand that. Even though we're living 60 years later when McDonald's like is yeah. the biggest, one of the biggest real estate owners in the world, has all these restaurants, is like, you know causing obesity around, but you know we're not gonna get into that are we? there's so many like 
so many restaurants now, it's such a brand name that like we, you know, and there's so much fast food that we just take it for granted. So I think it was a nice thing to be able to see him just realize, wow, like, you know, to get a burger right then, to get a milkshake, to get his fries. And then, yeah, I think that, you know, I think Michael Keaton playing Ray Kroc probably is, he's the best performer in the movie yeah takes the um, movie away easy. and I, I think if they had casted really anyone else the movie would have been a lot worse like I think it is yeah, surpri- yeah, yeah. it doesn't seem like that hard of a role to play but he has to really sort of at the beginning almost appeal to the audience appeal to the audience like you like he does to one of the McDonald's brothers like you know not Nick Offerman but the other one who is played by John Carroll Lynch um he, you know, John Carroll Lynch, the whole movie is trying to tell Nick Offerman's, you know, his brother that Ray Kroc is fine. He's just a little bit, you know, he's a little bit pushy. He's a little bit annoying, but eventually, you know, he's going to play by the rules. But, mm. you know, and I think you were saying this before, but as a audience member, you like want to root for Ray and you see like that he's realized an opportunity. He's um, taken it. Well, he's 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 taken it, but you hope that he's going to do the right thing by the McDonald's brothers at the same time. Yeah, and that's I mean that's where we really come to the main thematic crux of the movie. I mean we're not like there they right now right then and there, but basically it's is Ray Kroc going to continue the vision of the McDonald's brothers, which is really high quality food. Like, they don't compromise on the quality of the food. And they also care about their customers. They care about their customers. They're promoting family. And mm. they, you know, they have these set of standards and rules, um, which has meant that when they've tried to franchise, which is what the movie is, like, McDonald's is running fine before Ray Kroc runs there, but he's like, why haven't you franchised? And, he, you know, and they say, it's hard because if you're going to keep the standards that your restaurant has become known for, you need to have good quality control. And they were finding that when they had franchise and having other people run restaurants, that they would start to make compromises, add new things to the menu. Like, they're just burgers and just chips. And, and just milkshakes. And just milkshakes. And it works well. But, yeah, you then go, well, is Ray going to, you know... I guess it's almost art versus commerce. Is he going to stick with the original vision of McDonald's mm-hmm. and hope franchise them in a healthy way or is he going to uh make shortcuts and do whatever it takes to get to the top and earn more money even if it means the quality or the um identity of mcdonald's changes Mm. along the way yeah i feel like during that movie though i feel like with the fact that the McDonald's brothers struggled so much to franchise. It was because they didn't realize that they had to buy the land before they actually franchise and told the franchisee, this is where you're going. You don't pick the spot and you don't buy the land because when they bought the land, they were actually able to control the menu, control what the franchisee was putting on there, what he was selling, how much he was selling for Mm. or she. And they didn't realize that at the time because... They thought that if the franchisee buys it, they save more money, where in real fact, they would actually be earning more money because the franchisee would be paying rent to them, which is 
very interesting when you found that out in the scene where Ray Kroc was sitting in the bank and he was about to go bankrupt. Mm, yeah, he's that. that is a really good scene. Like, he finds out that even though he's been franchising a lot, like he has... Over 100 restaurants. By then? Yeah. Does he really have 100 by then? He has 100 wow. by then in that movie, yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, he's got a lot, but they're paying for... Um, refrigeration costs they're paying for all of these overhead fees that and plus rent which mm. is eating up a significant amount of their profit margin which means that yeah ray crocs are going bankrupt um he can't pay his loans back he can't yeah and, and, money. and so yeah and then that's when we get um that's when we get an, a, another uh tv show cameo from BJ Novak, Ryan from The Office. Yeah. Have you seen The Office? Yeah, I have seen The Office. It's very yeah. good TV. So, show. Ryan, the temp, the man who in like season three of The Office gets promoted to the CEO of Dunder Mifflin or something, one of the managers, and mm. then ruins it all by partying and money laundering and stuff, and then is a crazy temp for the rest of the show. Um, it's pretty hard to see him not as Ryan because he doesn't have many film roles. And so anyway, he <laughs> plays like the... He plays Harry J... J, sorry. Um, if I'm pronouncing this right, I don't know. Sonny, Sonnyborn? Harry J. Sonnyborn. Yeah, let's go with that. He uh, comes up to Ray Kroc and basically says... Or he overhears the conversation he's having with his person at the bank and says, look... I like your franchise, and if we're going to do something about it, you know, we need to mm. look into land. And he's he was saying to Ray Kroc at that time, you actually, he taught Ray Kroc that, and something that the McDonald's brothers didn't know, which which, which was what I explained before, that you can't actually let the franchisee buy the land and put their own restaurant in. Mm. You actually have to buy the land and tell them to go there. Mm-hmm. That's how you make most of your money because they're paying you rent and they're also paying the refrigerator bills and the costs for the food. It's pretty interesting. And Harry, the Harry J. Sonnyborn, he was also ended up being the first president and chief executive of the McDonald's Corporation as well. Wow, that's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, so it's pretty amazing, like, a story. Um, it's an interesting cast, to be honest. Like, they have... Laura Dern, who is now an Academy Award-winning actress, she won her first Oscar last year. No way. Um, for Marriage Story, but like Laura Dern is an amazing actress, and they just gave her like the role of the wife, like of Ray Kroc, the first wife, might I say? Um, and mm. like, I I know why they put that plot line into the to movie to show the true character of um Ray Kroc. I yeah, felt. like yeah. I think. It's definitely to show you that Ray Kroc is willing to do basically anything to... um, Get to the top. Yeah, to get to the top, to provide. He doesn't really care about her at all. Like, he, you know, you see him, like, she's like, you don't spend any time with me. And he finally spends time with her. And then he's trying to sell and he's getting... Sell sell to people in the club they're at and trying to talk to his friends. And And they're ridiculing him. If he is able to sell and then he gets her to sell... For him, it was pretty yeah, and then she, and then he just without kind of telling her, moves out of the club and removes her from a social circle, and then 
Yeah, she gets pretty trounced on in the movie. And I was a bit disappointed because I'm like, Laura Dern is amazing and it really wasn't much of a role at all. Like, it's pretty stereotypical, just, I'm the wife struggling at home. Like, could have given her some more things to do. Yeah, that's true. And I felt that way about the um, the lady who he was having an affair with. Um, if I'm not mistaken. I think her name is Linda Cardellini. Yeah. Linda Cardellini. Um, she played Joan Smith. Yeah. Um, Did you know Linda Cardellini played Velma in the old Scooby-Doo movie? Yes, I do actually know that. That's crazy. I know. Because <laughs> in this movie, she's obviously um, not blonde, but in this movie, she she's looked... wearing a blonde wig. Yeah, she looks um, completely different, doesn't looks she? Looks so different. Oh so my gosh. that was pretty amazing. I remember seeing her. I'm like, I've seen her before from somewhere, mm. but I just can't put my finger on it. I think she, I mean, I just don't know if the writing for those two women was that great. Like, yeah, they did I, the best with mm, what they had, but... But I felt like they could have advanced that story on the side a little bit more. They could have showed how the marriage between Ethel and Ray were... I mean, so, yeah, Ray were, like, slowly, like, crumbling at least, or, like, he was neglecting her a bit more than it actually was showing. Yeah, you don't think he spent enough time on the first marriage. Yeah, it just didn't show that... It showed like it showed a little bit in the fact that he was constantly going away and he wasn't there a lot. But there, every time he came back, their relationship was kind of just at the same point where they mm. left it, and it was kind of. They have like one fight scene where he's basically like, "You're not," su-, you know. She's basically saying, "Oh, this is just another one of your schemes. Like, when are you ever going to stop? When are you going to quit? Mm. Like, when are you going to do something else?" and He's like, you've never supported me in any of these. And she's basically like, I have supported you. Um, You're just going to spend time with me pretty much. That's what, I remember that's where it had started. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think like she genuinely wants, you see at some points, like she genuinely wants to help him when he's at his best, which is, you know, he's a very good, like when he's in it, he seems to be a very good, like, well, that's... I mean, that's a real question, right? Was he really good Was at he anything? good at anything? Yeah. Because um, I've really... Talking about performances again, like we have Nick Offerman, who's the other TV cameo, Ron mm. Swanson from Parks and Recreation. Yeah, yeah. Um, another amazing top quality TV character. Yeah, everyone loves it. Everybody loves <laughs> Nick Offerman. So he, he did, he's really good in this, um, mm. both him and the brother... Um, John, John Carroll Lynch. Lynch yeah so they're both really good and I, I I think frankly I think they're probably the most compelling part of the movie like there's some points when we kind of forget that they're around like we spend a lot of time on Ray and his new friends and I understand that like you're seeing him neglect his wife and all that stuff but um, there's a pretty I mean fra- look I think sometimes this movie's a little bit cheesy with its dialogue like can be quite on the nose but yeah that's fine but we get to the point where basically nick offerman and john carroll lynch are like you're not good at anything like what have you really done like because yeah. there's these golden arches like so basically we, we establish at a dinner scene when ray first meets the mcdonald brothers that they've had this amazing 20-year career already yeah. um through the great depression through world war Two, like that they've been trying all sorts of things, but they've been opening restaurants, they've been buying a movie theater, they've been yeah. doing all these things, and then they showed that they came up with their own original idea, mm. and then they challenged Ray Kroc and saying that you actually don't come up with your own ideas and you 
can't be original and you can't be a creator and you can't like he hasn't amounted to anything actually in his life but I feel like that's what that's when he when they said that to him it actually showed that he was good at something and that something was I feel like stealing ideas or like I guess conning people and Mm. going over them and passing them taking whatever they had that he saw was valuable and taking it from them and yeah. just leaving them to us, as you saw with the wife, as you saw with the McDonald's brothers. And then as you saw with Rolly Smith, one of the franchisees, mm. when he got Joan Smith. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Like, he... The, the thing he's good at, which he does say, is that, like, he doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't care if he steps on people. He doesn't care, you know, it's a good quote, like, you know, where he basically says, if... You know, my enemies are drowning. I'm gonna shove a the hose down their throat. Like, yeah, you're just gonna. It's pretty push brutal. Down. Like, yeah. I'm gonna, you know, you get that killer instinct. Yeah, and and frankly, like, and whether you fault them for it, I don't. But the McDonald's brothers are unwilling to do that because they want to stick to their values and they want to yeah, stick they want to, to be a their family friendly restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sad thing is, is that again another theme is that they are a loser like in a capitalist sort of system yeah. so like you know in this capitalist america and it's the same here in australia and most of the western world like you know you have a really good idea you have creativity you have vision you have innovation like you see uh you know nick offerman's character making the, they hand make the you know they factory the, order the food things like the, the, the thing, source the um dispensers the source dispensers they, he thinks, them out. thinks yeah. of the golden arches like he's got a really great business they mind. came up with the whole system inside the restaurant as well yeah that's a great scene actually when mm. they're doing the Showing chalkboard the on the ground mm. and sh- working out how best they can the exact measurements inside the restaurant they need for effective fast food service mm. and where they need everything so everything runs smoothly and there's no hiccups which was, I thought was really cool yeah, yeah yeah and so you just go like at the end of the movie like who's the winner like you're like well these men who in theory like America in a in a a democracy in a free world and whatever like you should if you have skill and creativity and innovation like you're told sort of like this is a place where you can make your dreams come true and look he didn't he was they seemed pretty content with life like they hadn't franchised but they were pretty happy until ray Kroc comes along steals their idea makes all the money and the success yeah. and he's the one that wins even though he does the he does, doesn't do the hard yards he doesn't come up with everything he just steals it so I, like yeah i i really like that part of it mm. it's mm. a very good part was this the movie you were expecting when you first watched it no i thought the movie would have been a little bit Different. I didn't really know the story of how McDonald's started or how Ray Kroc, like who Ray Kroc was at all before I watched the movie. And it really educated me on how McDonald's started and how it became probably the number one fast food service in the world. So 
I feel like though it does show a lot of as you were saying before themes around what it truly takes to be successful or how people can be so obsessed with success that they don't care about others and only care about Mm. themselves really and care about their own I guess their own outcome Mm. and feel like if I'm not number one or if I'm not making the most money like I need to find a way to do that and if that means I have to take people who actually care about me or people who are closest to me down it doesn't matter Mm. and I feel like the movie really did show like what people what what some people could do to just go as far as they can to be as successful as possible Mm. Mm. I do feel like have you seen Breaking Bad? yes I have seen Breaking Bad you know not necessarily comparing Ray Kroc to Walter White, but it's, (laughs) I mean, you know, the story is kind of similar in that you have a man like who makes a decision and who the filmmakers and the creators intentionally want the audience to follow along with um, and believe like they've got some flaws, but they're a good person and they're going to See some success out of this, and then there's like that shows shift. Their true color. It shows their true colors. I feel like. Well, like there's that shift, like when mm. you realize Walter is like terrible, and he's just an awful person in Breaking Bad, and like he's doing, he's completely gone off the rails, and has become the villain. And then in this show, in this movie, there's a scene where um, you realize, I, and I do think it's that scene when. Um, you know, I do think it's a scene with the that phone call when he... I said that quote before, when he's talking about all of these things, you know, basically saying, I don't care about anything. Like, a contract's just a piece of paper. Like, you know, it's yeah. meant to be broken. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you just realise, okay, like, this guy is terrible. And I do think Michael Keaton makes him really believable. And you just go... Yeah, it leaves you kind of feeling dirty. Like, this is yeah. wrong. You're like... Because you've been going for Ray Kroc the whole movie and then all of a sudden, three quarters through the movie, you realise, this guy's the bad guy. Yeah. This guy, this McDonald, the McDonald's brothers are the, the good guys here. Like, I'm actually going for... I've been going for Ray Kroc this whole time. Why have I been doing that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's pretty devastating when you realise um, that... He creates the realty company that buys all the McDonald's restaurants. Mm. And that has a name called First Aid or something. But then um, you realize later that he's changed the name of the realty company to the McDonald's realty company. Um, and used the golden arches and everything. I think it eventually ended up to being the McDonald's Corporation or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, obviously the McDonald's brothers are pretty mad. And he's basically like... No. <laughs> what can and you do about it? At the end, you he, know... The, he challenged you, them, didn't well, he? Well, yeah, those brothers lost the McDonald's name. They could never use that name ever again. Well, didn't he go, you can, like, go to court with me, but I'll basically make you Buy go bankrupt. You yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually you'll probably win, but it won't matter because you won't have enough money and then you eventually have to shut down and I'll just keep going with the name. And yeah. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. 
and so they really saw no way out other than getting bought out for one million each which is around about back then that's a lot of money and from I'm pretty sure it's like 17.6 million dollars in today's money like that's what it's equivalent to yeah wow and somewhere around there or somewhere around 18 million yeah and I feel like they definitely got undersold like they definitely got undersold completely mm. but um they also had a little handshake deal for the one uh, percent yeah, of yeah. McDonald's which at the end of the movie they did state today it would be worth around about a hundred million dollars a year to go in each of them that's that's two hundred million dollars each that's crazy that's one percent of everything McDonald's makes but that's to both the brothers oh wow so two hundred million dollars is one yeah. percent yeah and that's th- crazy yeah and Ray Kroc knew that it would be worth a lot eventually and he didn't want anyone he even when he got divorced from his first wife first wife Ethel he didn't want her he gave her the house he gave her the car he didn't he just give her any shares in the didn't company. give it anything yeah. to do with McDonald's because he knew that McDonald's was going to be worth more than anything that he owned at the time and he was going if anyone has a part of McDonald's that's more money lost to me and I don't want that I want to make as much money as I possibly can because obviously he was old at the time he was 50 what 55 I think yeah and, yeah 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 and so he obviously was very greedy and he didn't want anyone a part of it except for his Joan Smith who eventually became his wife and he was pretty much he didn't want anyone to go near the McDonald's corporation and so when the two brothers brought that up in the final scene he was basically stating that I can't put on the contract but we will do it in a handshake deal and because they did the handshake deal they couldn't prove it in court and that means the McDonald's brothers were relying on Ray Kroc being honest and being basically a genuine person and showing, and that really showed his true colours, that scene, and the fact that he didn't give them any shares in McDonald's whatsoever, and he completely just ruled them out and said, no, I didn't do that handshake deal, and that never happened. And so the McDonald's brothers lost everything that they built and spent probably most of their life on, and Ray Kroc just took it all and got everything for it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's a really I mean it's an amazing story. Like it's a really really great story. I think we'll probably talk more about this in the ratings, but I think the movie I was expecting. Like I think I got the movie I was expecting, but I was hoping it was probably a little bit more punchier. Like I wanted this like I kind of wanted it to be I felt like at some points, like, it got a little bit too montage or a little bit too cheesy at some points, and, yeah, just wasn't as dynamic as I thought it could be. Like, I didn't... Like, it, the music's done by um, a guy named Carter Burwell, who's a really great composer. He's done... Uh, he does most of the Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've seen any yeah. Coen Brothers. Yeah, but, I've seen um, a lot of the Coen Brothers. Yeah, so he's a great 
composer, but he just doesn't. I know. I just it part of the things felt like it slightly pulled back, where I was just hoping that it would be slightly more cutthroat. And I do feel like that the McDonald's brothers sort of disappear for some points of the movie. And I think like the plot yeah. lines with the women could have been. Yeah. I think it either got to like. Sounds weird, but I don't know. You got to flesh. Like yeah, the show your side plots more, I reckon. Like, yeah. like, I feel like you could have edited it in a way where you could have maybe fleshed that out a bit more and drawn out um, those things for the sake of the theme. Like, we don't really see like the owner, like who the Joan Smith was married to. We don't even see how that happens. Yeah, like, I understand that. You don't that, see how it Yeah, I don't understand the editing choices need to be made, but. Um, like I just felt like yeah that was okay and this was a powerful story but why am I still feeling it was just not good there. like yeah. it was still like I'm like recommend the movie not not saying it's bad I'm just going I felt like there was another level that could get to but I yeah, just, it can go from good to great I just don't know what it really needed to do to get there and mm. I think I think yeah you focus I think they you really could have focused on that dynamic like my fa- my favorite bits of the movie were um when the movie was being pretty dynamic like when with michael keaton and the mcdonald's brothers like those conversations i'm riveted and those felt like they're talking about the big issues of the movie like that's they're the two they're the yin and the yang like the different yeah. parts um, the hero and the villain the, yeah well yeah. the hero and the villain there's the art and the commerce like they're the ones that's where you feel like the fire of the movie sort of happening um, and I just don't know like they could have brought that theme I think a bit more into the other subplots but yeah I think that's m- maybe my only criticism is like technically like you know it looks nice I think the performances are good I just felt like, you know, John... Um, Michael Keaton stole the show. Yeah, Michael Keaton's really great. I think jo- uh, the director, John Lee Hancock, he did a mo- um, The Blind Side. It yeah. was a movie that he did, yeah, which, yeah. you know, has a lot of charm, um, but frankly is slightly kind of another... Th- you know, he likes taking these pretty crazy stories, like the story of um, Michael Oa, who is yeah. the... NFL left tackle. Yeah, who, who came from um, came from nothing. You know, it's an amazing story. Um, but like that story needed to. You know, these stories. I feel like if if you can make an amazing story just good, do you know what I mean? Like no. I'm just like, how do you do that? And I think sometimes it can be a little bit too cheesy and a little bit too wish washy and a little bit too like glaze everything over especially in the blind side i think the blind side's good i think this is good i just don't know if he really had a real vision of you know of a story he was trying to tell yeah i don't know i don't do you agree what do you think i saw what the director was um doing with his movie but then i also agree with a few of your points I, the movie was completely from um, Ray Kroc's perspective. That's the whole idea of the movie. That's where it came from. So obviously you're going to have times where you're just thinking, what, what's going on? Like why, 
why haven't we seen this character for so long? It's because Ray Kroc purposely hasn't kept contact with them mm. or hasn't seen them. But there are a few plot holes, like with the wives and how he divorces his wife and then goes goes and marries Joan and then like Joan and her husband you don't understand why they broke up or why they weren't together anymore and you don't understand like just right at the end of the movie how you just see them together and you're like when like obviously there was a few times in the movie where they show that they had a connection but you could have made that a little bit deeper and you could have shown that to the audience that like you could show that more in the fact that oh, he wants to be with her and not with Ethel, you know? And I feel like like he could have shown that a bit more. However, a lot of like things when you don't see the McDonald's brothers, but you hear hear of them, like they're mentioned, Mm. but you don't see them for quite some time. That's because the whole movie's from Ray Kroc's Mm. perspective, that he's purposely filmed it to show that this is how Ray Kroc use it. And mm. then he also does eventually give it kind of like an outside perspective closer to the end where they're showing his true colours. Mm. And they don't show that he's the hero anymore. Because when they're showing that he's the hero, they're showing that in Ray Kroc's own mind that, oh, the world's against me. And like, I'm just trying as hard as I can mm. to provide. And now... It's kind of turned and it really shows how like this guy just develops once mm. he gets more money he develops into this just power hungry mm. monster yeah yeah i think he's yeah i mean that's a really good point now you say that like you have to give the movie credit for that like i think mm. it's so interesting what um uh, what sort of challenges do like setbacks to both the McDonald's brothers and to like Ray Kroc. So in that dinner scene, like you see that these they haven't built their empire in one day. Yeah. Like it's taken them twenty years of trying something, saving up money, working like, hard, like failure, try again, failure, try again, uh-huh. until it eventually works. And mm. because they had the passion and the dream and the desire to do what they needed to do and they used everything as a learning curve, they didn't dwell on it or let it sort of affect their own opinion of who they are or whether they labeled themselves as a failure or whatever but they you do what you're meant to do which is when you know humans are faced with setbacks or challenges like these are learning moments like they see these as learning movements and it means like that leads to innovation like you can't really expect to build something great or beautiful or wonderful or artistic or something worth something overnight yeah Overnight, without taking risks, without risking failure, without doing, um, putting yourself out there. And then you look at Ray's life, and I mean, he's 50 something, 52, and mm. his whole, like, his whole past 15 years, it seems like, has been uh, failure. failure, failing at selling all of these different um, items. But that has only really turned him into a bit of, so like a bitter, jaded, like, man who's angry and he's upset it feels like instead of him trying to fix it and trying to build on it and improve he just kept keeps doing the same things Mm. and it shows the difference between the mcdonald's brothers and him i reckon oh totally and he just like he just fails to look into himself like he fails to go 
I'm the problem. Yeah, mm. exactly right. Like he fails to go, I'm the problem. Maybe there's something up with me. Maybe there's something that I could do to make this situation better or maybe I need to move into something else or whatever it is. Um, you know, he, he obviously he's... But the thing is, like he's also incredibly selfish, which is the ironic thing is that like he can't look within himself, but he does everything he can to make himself rich and powerful and famous but you know you do get this i feel like you do get the sense that you know um he you do get the sense that he is that there is an emptiness to the success he has like Mm. you know he whenever he hears like you see him kind of doing that speech at the end of the movie where he's sort of claiming a lot of the things that aren't his as Mm. his um you know, and he, yeah, you can kind of tell in that, which is credit to the performance. You can kind of tell that he knows deep down he cheated. He that he didn't build this. That he's mm. sort of stolen it. And I guess like that's the hard thing. Like you obviously want justice for the for the McDonald's brothers, but you know that like there really is no cheating your way to true success or true fulfillment because this man ultimately. I don't know if he's ever going to get the satisfaction of doing what the McDonald's brothers did, which is when you create something that is wonderful and you've worked hard on it and you've gone through a lot of pain mm. and done it and it's true and earned and yours, like that's a, an amazing feeling. Like that's what you know we want to do in our lives. But he hasn't really got there. It's like when you um, you know, this is my example. It's like when you're doing an assignment for uni or school or something right and the assignments due in two days and you know that you have to study and get this assignment done in two days and so you wake up you got two days to do it or maybe you wake up and it's it's due that night and you go no i'm gonna watch tv first does that watching that tv then or finishing your assignment submitting it and then watching tv what feels better yeah the Finishing the assignment and then watching TV. I know. And I still doesn't mean that I still don't procrastinate, but it's the same thing. Like, it kind of feels like you're cheating to, like, watch TV and rest when you know that there's something you need to go out there and do. Um, bit of a funny example, but yeah. I feel like it brings up, like, questions and themes and challenges. What, like, what is real success? Mm. And, like, how do you actually measure real success? Is it by the material things that you have or is it by the internal things and the people around you and like the actual true happiness Mm. that you get from either making something or I know creating something and having a lot of people filled with love and happiness around you I feel like Mm. or is it how much money you have or Mm. so I just feel like it can challenge a lot of people to think like what is true success? How does it look? And how would I feel if I had true success? And I feel like at the end of the day, no matter, well, unless they're Ray Kroc, but <laughs> no matter how people feel, I feel like they would ultimately say that they want happiness and they want joy and they want people around them that they can say they know they love them mm. no matter what. And they didn't, buy them they didn't get them in their life because of their money it was just because 
they loved them, they trusted them, and they accepted them for who they are. And Ray Kroc, I felt like, didn't have anyone around them that actually loved him, except for his first wife, Ethel. And Ethel was the only person that really did. Kind of challenged him. And it's good to have your loved ones challenge you because that's what they're there for. But what didn't he do? He didn't accept it. He didn't. He didn't look in. He yeah. didn't look inside, did he? Yeah. Like he didn't really go. Oh, is any of these criticisms real? Like, yeah, he just thought that Ethel wasn't on his side. When true fact, Ethel was always on his side, no matter what. Mm. It's just he couldn't accept the fact that he was the problem in his own situation. Mm. And I felt like this movie with its themes and its questions at the end like what is true success I felt like it did leave a lot of thinking at the end like is Ray Kroc really happy with what he's done or does he regret it mm. Mm. I think oh, I, yeah and it reminds me a lot about um Reminds me a lot of another movie, The Social Network. Yes. Um, because it's a really similar story. And, like, look, I think, to be honest, I think The Social Network is a better film. But yeah, they tell very... Same things. They tell very, very similar themes. And, like, the ending of The Social Network, spoiler alert, is, you know, Mark Zuckerberg uh, sitting there, like, you know, pressing the request friend button over and over for his now ex-girlfriend. Um even though he's achieved everything he has with Facebook, he has all the money and success of this um, social media thing he's set up to build connections, he's lacking that one connection that really means the most to him, which was his connection with his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just, I do, I'm like, it is, it is the real question of, like, I mean, it's pretty philosophical, but, like, you know, a lot of the West is, like, built upon that whole real the whole premise that like yeah. money is everything yeah, like success it, is the outside but i yeah we're about to potentially lose the iconic yellow manly fairies because our government for money saving reasons um wants to create these more efficient fairies that are not the beautiful iconic pieces of australian like culture that we have here and they want to compromise and like that's that's anyway that's just me being like if you're listening australian government new south wales government sydney council don't take away the manly fairies um <laughs> because they're amazing but we'll be talking about a movie here <laughs> but like that's yeah i think that's a good question what is success i don't mm. know i'm i feel like that you know money can isn't. it buy yeah it isn't it like, it isn't everything it, money doesn't bring happiness I feel like experiences people like money can bring experiences but truly you can have experiences without money yeah and I feel like true happiness comes from one within and two by the people around you and who yeah. you identify as who loves you and who you care about and I think it is by like also by the things that you do and bring into the world like everybody's trying to work out what they should do with their lives whether it's a career whether it's study or you know whatever it is like people are passionate about things that they do and they have values and they want to bring things into the world most of the time it's a good thing um, and there's a real sense of satisfaction and fulfillment when you bring that in um, and you do feel like you've cheated yourself like when you 
have compromised those things in order to get ahead anyway. It's really good. All right, before we move on to talking about the food in the movie, is there any other things you want to bring up about the movie itself? No, I feel like we've gone over a lot. I feel like we've gone over some pretty valid points. Though. Yeah, that was a, yeah. a good discussion. It was a I very good like. discussion. I'm excited for the I food. felt like I was like, what are we... like? It was good, but I was like, what are we going to just talk about? But yeah. Mm. I, feel, I like, feel like this movie did have a lot more to talk about than yeah, we thought. Yeah. Nice. I always do this. I always am, like have a number or rating in mind when I go into discussing. Yeah. And it always kind of goes up when I talk about it in a podcast because I'm like, yeah. I appreciate the movie more. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's a film and food podcast. We're going to talk about the food in the movie. So. You know where we need to start. Yeah. Tell me. What was one of your favourite food moments? Favourite food moment in the movie. It's either when you first saw the McDonald's burger. Actually, it probably is when you first saw the McDonald's burger getting made. Tell me about it. When I saw it, my mouth was watering. Walk me step by step <laughs> through this scene. So I was sitting down watching the movie and I was looking at them make the burger. And I was thinking, damn, that looks good. I'm seeing the patty and I'm seeing the exact precise five drops of tomato sauce, five drops of American mustard, two pickles, onion on top. Then you put the other bun, put the patty on that, put the burger top on it, you put it down the chute. And I'm thinking, Macca's is probably two minutes down the road from me. I could drive the Macca's right now and order the Macca's hamburger. I'm just going to interrupt you. <laughs> to those in around the world who don't know what Macca's is, it's like the way Australian says McDonald's because we just shorten everything and turn it into a nickname. So we're lazy. We're lazy literally, everything. Like... <laughs> Macca's brands itself as Macca's in Australian ads for McDonald's, which is pretty crazy. Anyway, continue. So I was thinking McDonald's, Macca's is just down the road. And all I was thinking about is getting those fries, ordering a thick shake and getting a hamburger. And my mind, it seemed so good. But I knew if I went and got that, I would have felt so awful about it after. But with you in it, I would have loved it. Loved every second of it. But yeah, I've... That's what I... That, just the greasiness of that burger. The, how nice it looks. Man. They really sold Mac as well in a Mac as movie. Who would have thought? Mm. <laughs> no, I think that is the iconic food scene in the movie you're obviously watching a movie about mcdonald's and so you get pretty excited when you go to the place and you hear you see like the kitchen in action and you see all of these thousands of patties laid out with you know on the on the grill and all of the burger buns laid out and like the cool ketchup dispenser and the mustard dispenser and it's just like poetry in motion and even though you know that like Honestly, these those burgers back in the 60s, I hate to be like, it was better back then, but it probably was way better than what we get today. Even oh, though, yeah. I'm not saying McDonald's no burgers are bad now, but... I mean, the quality of the food would have been much better. 
Yeah, and so you just like sit down and you're like, man, you know, let's put health aside. There's just something good about going to Macca's. Macca's and just like getting a paper bag with burger and chips and a drink. And smelling that bag. And you just eat it and like enjoy it and sit down or like do whatever you need to do. And it's just like a, it is a bit of a guilty pleasure, but it is. I feel like uh, you have it once or twice yeah. in the summertime. Always. In moderation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and like, yeah. And it, I mean, obviously it is like the coming awake scene, like for Ray Kroc, yeah. he's like, what the heck? Like you... You've been doing this the whole time and you haven't done anything with it. Yeah, like it's been 30, <laughs> it's been 30 seconds I have all my food. And this 30 seconds... And it's only here in this small town in California. <laughs> yeah, and he has to sit down. There's no cutlery to eat his food. There's no table. Just throw it out. He just eats it on the bench. Who would have thought that would have been a bigger issue later? <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, let's talk about like fast food. And yep. so like... I mean, we live in a pretty globalized world. Macca's has hit number one in fast uh, food. How many countries? Like, I'm pretty sure it's almost everywhere, except for like probably Vanuatu. It's not one in Antarctica, right? <laughs> hey, Is you there? don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I I'm not putting money on it. I mean, you but, might crave a burger being in Antarctica, but yeah. yeah, they're in a lot of countries, and like, you know, France. Believe it or not, I learned this off Pulp Fiction. France. Royale with cheese. <laughs> you can yeah. actually buy a beer in Macca's at France. Yeah. Okay. What I kind of like is that there's a level of like the culture of the place being allowed to go into the Macca's in the different, you know, countries. But that's the real question is like, what is fast food done to like the world in general? Like there's I something, like, there's, yeah. you know, you go. I feel like it's changed food culture quite a bit. Like, it's changed how people really view eating. And I feel like back in before Macca's was huge, pretty sure all they had back then was White Castle. Or I think it was White Castle. Yeah, sure. And like maybe a pizza joint or something. Maybe like, like one or two pizza joints. Um, but the I remember, like, I'm, I'm thinking. They definitely would have had it, like, health-orientated. Like, they would have obviously had the meat, three veg, and mashed potato or something mm. like that, you know? they would Very have... kind of 60s, 70s. Yeah, very, very... Western sort of meal, dinner things. Most basic meal you could pro- probably think of. Mm. Like, they'd have the roast meal. That It'd mm. be completely healthy. And I feel like what fast food has done, it's made it more practical. Like, it's easy. Like, you don't have to worry about it. You eat it, throw it away. Mm-hmm. You don't worry about time. Mm-hmm. You don't worry about washing up, mm-hmm. cleaning up. You just eat and go. Obviously, you got to pay for it. So there's not really a cost effect that like you're going to still pay the same amount around about. But it's just the practicality of like how easy it is of getting it, eating and throwing it away. But I feel like that's also a part of the issue. Like, all that like eating and throwing away creates so much like rubbish and waste and especially like the amount of people in the world that eat Macca's daily it would be a huge number it'd be ridiculous 1% of the world's population is fed off Macca's Mm -hmm. so if 1% of the world 
is throwing away Macca's rubbish. If you think about mm-hmm. it, 1% mm-hmm. every day of wastage is going to be Macca's wrappers or Macca's burger boxes or Macca's chips thing, like boxes or a Macca's drink. And if you, not all that is going to be 100% recycled. And so there's just so much waste coming from Macca's mm-hmm. and obviously waste management is something that they should look into more and also probably look into health a bit more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, like USA and Australia, which probably have the most Macca's locations in the world. Like I grew yeah, up in Campbelltown, which look, there've been studies on this. Maybe I'll need to link some in the show notes. So check out the show notes after you listen to this episode. I'll try and link some studies. Um, look, we're not here to really take down McDonald's, but we kind of am. I am kind of. Um, <laughs> but, you know. Um, Maybe just keep one or two around. Yeah, I'm like, in low socioeconomic areas, McDonald's intentionally put more restaurants and have lower prices because they know that people in low SES areas, like, this is, you know, they tend to be less educated. They tend to be less... Um, focused on having whole foods, organic healthy, foods, yeah, healthy, you know, meals. and then having it at a lower price yeah, means that would a person, when there's three McDonald's in the space of five kilometers squared, ten kilometers squared, three or four McDonald's, KFC, all these options in this area, you have this amount of money left in your food budget, and you go exactly what you said. I don't have the time. I don't really have the energy. I don't have, um, you know, I can't and like I want to make my kids happy. Mm. Like, you know, they've really tried to make McDonald's appeal to kids, haven't they? Happy yeah. meals, all that stuff. And toys and the happy meals. Man, mm-hmm. I love those toys. Look, <laughs> back in the two thousands, man, they were rocking some absolutely insane some good toys back then. Insanely good they? toys. I remember oh, I got a Hot yes. Wheels once out of those. Yes. Oh, what. Did they do like Neopets once? They did. Oh. Yeah. Little, yep. I'm just having like a nostalgia. <gasps> you know what was the best? What one? They did like um, an Olympic Games thing with like little... Like yes. Sonic? Was it Sonic or Mario or something? I like, can't remember. But you could do like... They, it was like eight different events and it was like a little game controller Yeah, thing. it was like one of those little, little circle things and you could just oh. press the buttons. I really want to go and look up. They used toys to invest now. a lot into. They probably toys. sell for a lot on eBay, don't they? Oh, probably not. See, look, look at what you've done to us, McDonald's. No, um, it brings some nostalgia. <laughs> no, it's, it was good, but yeah, like back to the you know in the low SES area, you're gonna pick the easy option. McDonald's a lot, um, because frankly, and look, I'm not trying to blame people who live there for doing that, like. This is not a shameful thing. It's just saying that sometimes McDonald's intentionally chooses places to be kind of cruel and to really size up their market. They do a lot of research to know where they're going to make more money. Yeah. And they're willing to lower prices to be able to get people in the door. And when you go to a supermarket and you want to make um, something with a lot of fresh vegetables, like... You add all of those vegetables together, you add so money, you add the time it takes to peel, chop, prepare, and cook that meal, yeah. um, and then potentially dealing with kids who don't want to eat these veggies, they don't want to make something different. You don't want to yeah. eat, eat the meal. Like, that's a, there's a 
they've made it very easy yeah, for people to choose options, given them different like so they don't have to worry about each kid. The each kid can order what they want. Mm. If one doesn't like beef but prefers chicken, they can order a chicken burger, chicken nuggets, and then it's just same vice versa. There's a lot of beef burger options as well. well. I'm not trying to bash fast food. I think there's a place for it in the world. I think in if, you're in, if you're in a work, if you're on a road trip, if you want a treat, if you want to like yeah, just enjoy you yourself just, sometimes. You know exactly. Like they, look, we live hard lives. If you want to go and get yourself an easy meal, that's fine. Um, just do it in moderation. I I think. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, but it is interesting. Like you know, this American companies dominated the world, and like. You can't... Has it dominated other people's cultures, potentially, but... Has it dominated other people's lives, let's be honest to you. Yeah. And you think, well, like... Um, you think, well... it Has it separated, you know, a lot of West... A lot of Western people from the fact... Of, you know, the joy of cooking. Like... Yeah. So for me, like... Or for lots of people in the West, like... I don't know, we just went through a pandemic, right? We don't, I haven't talked about much about this on my show, but we're in difficult times, and there's times when we can't leave our houses. Like, you, you're not, it's not essential travel to and go... Uber Eats. And to, to go and... Yeah, I mean, there is Uber Eats, but, like, a lot of people have tried to cook a bit more because, you know, they're not going to spend Uber Eats every single time they eat, yeah, and expensive. they can't go out because they're trying to stay safe. You know, a lot of people are looking to cook and bake sourdough bread and all of that was a trend and there's a lot of people that I talk to don't like look I get it if you don't like cooking but just don't cook don't know how to cook don't know where to start don't know how to make their own food and I feel like just like we were talking about with the art versus commerce when you Mm. lose the time and energy aspect of cooking something or eating like you don't really appreciate it that much like as when uh, we'll talk about this in a second as when you prepare a meal and you go to all this effort and like you get to you get the satisfaction and joy of having cooked something and that's yeah. just because I'm a I'm a foodie and I love cooking and look I'm not going to say that I don't like great. A, so I like a good takeout but yeah I just thought that was interesting yeah it was very interesting mm. but I feel like I've got a fun fact for you though hit me do you know, so from my hometown, Newcastle, right, um, in Newcastle, King Street McDonald's, which is right around the corner from me, mm. is the most dangerous McDonald's in Australia. No, I didn't know that. There's a fun fact for you. Wow. They so- have the most incidences out of every McDonald's in Australia. That is wild. Yeah. If you go there at any time between 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., you'll see, I think, five security guards at minimum around the McDonald's. It's ridiculous. McDonald's is a dangerous place. (laughs) Who would have thought? I don't think you should go there now. I feel like you should just stay at home and cook your own food. No, I think I think we're not here trying to shame fast food or trying to. We're just trying to talk about it. Like it's definitely Say shaped. Have options. It's shaped our world. Like obviously, it's given more options. There's restaurants where you can go get amazing quality food. They're great. Like not everybody's going to be able to eat food from an amazing chef 
Um, all the time. All the time. Yeah. Like, all of that is great. Fast food is great in its place. I just feel like, potentially, um, it can dominate too much and separate people from the... Re- like, I find the greatest joy, which is cooking and creating something. And so, like all things in life, moderation... Is key. Is key. Hmm. Now, there's one... I don't know if you count it as a food scene, but I want to talk about it. Yep. Powdered milkshakes. Yes, that was on my mind. That I felt like that scene showed what you brought up before in the themes around is he going to stay true to what McDonald's is? Is he going to keep it with ice cream and actually have proper milkshakes and not destroy like the reputation of McDonald's? Or is he going to go the more money efficient more I guess for him the more practical way of being able to make milkshakes quicker more affordable Mm. and just all around better for the restaurant and much better for um, Ray himself Mm. because he'd be making so much more money I think it was around about he'd make Heaps more money. He, uh, I can't remember. What, they said the percentage in the movie. I can't remember it. I think like six times the amount of money he was already making. Because mm. the refrigeration bills were the biggest issue mm-hmm. at McDonald's. Because they had so much ice cream that they had to keep refrigerating 24-7. Yeah. And in, the restaurant back then, I don't think it was open every day. And mm. I feel like... Oh, yeah. You would have to be running the refrigeration 24 hours a day. Yeah, you can't... It would be a big cost. You can't turn it off at all. And it's a big freezer. So, obviously, when they took the freezer out and decided to go with the powdered milkshakes, it destroyed his reputation with the McDonald's brothers. Mm. And it also, I think, that scene showed the turning point of um, Ray Mm. and showed... I'm actually going to go for the money and I don't care what anyone does because realistically I believe that if I'm not making more money for this McDonald's thing like what's the point of me doing it like he's in it completely for the money and you realize it at that point and he's not in it for the people or the quality he's just there to make money Mm. as much as he can and to be loved by a lot of people. And, yeah. Mm. So, I'm, there's a lot of symbolism in that milkshake scene. Definitely. And it, it, the, it is a great scene when they're at that uh, nightclub or restaurant where they're at. And he pulls out the sachet and puts it into the cup of water. Yeah. And you see it, like, turn white and turn into, like, a vanilla milkshake. And she drinks it. Now, my question for you... Yeah. Are you tempted? Like, do you want to find out what that tastes like? Yeah. 100%. Would you have tried it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you? No, for sure. I was like... <laughs> I, thought you say, I thought you were about to bring out some vanilla milk um, sachets just then. I was like, oh, all on it. Yeah. I'm like... Yeah. I was a bit like... I feel bad for me wanting to try it, but it looked, it looked really good. Yeah. I knew, like, he did say, like, it was full of emulsifiers and preservatives, which... Aren't that good for you? <laughs> ...are really not, and are in everything, really. Like, yeah. especially in um, ice cream and all the stuff that is yum and amazingly tasty and creamy. That's um, how the world is sometimes. <laughs> yep. 
But yeah, like it is, you know, I love milk. I'm mm. a pers- I'm a weirdo who drinks milk I just straight well. from yep. in a glass. Yep, so do I. And I love milk. I love milk and cereal. I love milk and milkshakes. And yeah, it's it I mean, I do think like I think you said it all. It summarizes that theme perfectly. Like Yeah. You know, he sacrifices like the quality of the restaurant. Yeah, and you see like it, it it's funny because you see initially you know Ray Kroc going around being like, you know, two pick, you know, two pickles, not three. Like he was really on it. Yeah, right at the start. Right man. at the start when he's first franchising, yeah. and then you know gets to the point where he's like, I would rather be making money than having to expend all this energy maintaining the standard of my product. And I think it raises a good point about like legacy. Like your legacy is something that in Hamilton. It's a very good quote. Just bringing up Hamilton again. Because I know you love it. Great. Um, and I love it. But like in Hamilton, like Hamilton himself says like a legacy is planting seeds in a ground that you don't get to see. And yep. so you think of a legacy of McDonald's, like is it an amazing legacy? Like are they, is there a legacy for extremely good quality food? Like they've undoubtedly left one, but... I feel like the legacy is a big tree, but it's a big ugly tree ah wow that's what my imagery of it a is a big right now. ugly tree that's pretty profound like it's big mcdonald's is huge but there's a lot of ugliness behind it with obesity like pollution and even just the fact that ray Kroc went through all of that to you know oh, he snuffed so out the dreams and innovation and Invention of two hard-working men, and it, it is sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm racking my brain. Like, it's not an amazingly hugely food-filled movie. Obviously, it is all about. But it does McDonald's. have food in it. <laughs> it does have food in it. Um, I'm just trying to think of anything else that you can think of. Like, there's the milkshake. There's the burger making. There was the scene where he saw that there was lettuce on the burger and freaked out. That's true. There's yeah. a scene that they were um, you making pro, chicken. Are you pro lettuce on burger? Yeah, I do like lettuce on a burger. However, on the Macca's burger at the time, I was not pro lettuce okay, on the, in so, the movie. Yeah, I understand. I think I'm with you. In the movie, yeah, get rid of the lettuce. Yeah, like think, it, it ruined the burger. <laughs> I think if you're going to go for a burger with lettuce on it, you've got to make it like a crispy ass... like iceberg lettuce that's going to crunch like at a level yeah you don't want some soggy piece of lettuce yeah you want a good textured like it doesn't need to be like crazy crunchy but you don't want it to be crunched you want to yeah I feel like that's what a lettuce brings to the um, equation in a burger yeah yeah um I think that's all the food scenes. I think that's all the food scenes. I mean, we could talk about the scene where he drank Canadian Club as well, if you really want. He did drink a lot of Canadian Clubs. Um, But no, I think... Yeah, I think we've talked... I think we've talked about it enough. Is there any other things you want to bring up? I feel like we've had a pretty good conversation. Let's... No, I feel like we're going to... I think we should go into the food and then our reviews. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, let's talk about the food. So, you are wondering what this week's recipe is and so based on the movie the founder we had a bit of a great food experience which i'm about to share with you 
But, Charlie, your final, final decision, you're going to hear Charlie is a bit indecisive in this next part about what his favorite burger was that we made. But, Charlie, we've made Macca's, homemade Macca's fries. We've made the original two order, like the exact same burger that's made in the movie. movie. And we've made like an Aussie burger with the lot, like with everything on it. Yeah. And all of those recipes are going to be in the show notes. On the website, and you're gonna you, hear us eat it. You're gonna you're <laughs> gonna hear us eat it. You can go find that and make it at home, so you can get the joy of eating fast food, but also get the joy of creating it. So it's and a bit of a compromise of between a bit the of two. Health. Indeed. Um, so, tell me what your favorite was. So, during when I was eating it before, I said that the Aussie burger was my favorite. And I have to retract my statement and say that the original Macca's burger was actually better. And I'll actually raise its rating to a 9 out of 10 because I only took one bite. But when we turned the mic off and we kept eating, I realized that I couldn't stop eating this Macca's burger. And I was like, man, this is actually really good. And then I realized that the Macca's burger was actually the the bee's knees. It was the burger to go. Definitely. I I concur. I think the Macca's burger is my favorite. And you know why? Because they absolutely mastered simplicity. Yeah. You, yeah, get yeah. The, you get the oomph, like the meatiness of the patty. You get the simpleness of the nice, sharp, crisp cutting flavors of the mustard, the ketchup, the onions, and the gherkins. Adds the beautiful, juicy bite, the tanginess, the flavor that you associate with McDonald's. And that's it all you need and I, no, I loved it it does bring back a lot of childhood memories when you think about it mm. like it makes you think about when you had happy meals and you had a burger in it you used to eat it and mm. it's just it does bring back a lot a lot of mm. a lot of good food memes yeah mm. so I thought that the Macca's burger actually was the best burger there and I believe that it is a 9 out of 10 that's a pretty good rating if you do if I do say so myself mm. um so yes a Homemade, to order, exact McDonald's burger, an Aussie burger, and how to make your own homemade crispy fries, just like you'd find at a McDonald's or a Macca's if you're in Australia. All of that, I'll say it one more time, all of the the recipe for that is in the show notes, on the website, on all social medias. Go and cook it and let us know what you, let us know how you go. What was your favorite burger? We want to see and hear from you, photos, all that sort of stuff. Now I'm going to play. Um, You're going to hear us talking about what we're eating. You're going to hear us eating. You're going to hear all the good bits about the burgers. And so I'm going to insert this right here. All right, Charlie, we got you in the podcast studio and we got a good feast lined up in front. What do we got? Um, Today on the menu, Chris, is McDonald's fries, homemade the original McDonald's burger in the movie The Founder and Chris's own twist on the Australian burger. Very good. Okay, what I want you to do is I want you to start with the McDonald's burger, then the Aussie burger, and then the fries, and I want to hear reactions on how each tastes. So do I bite one bite in each one? Yeah, one bite. Tell me how you think. Okay. Yeah. I'm nervous a bit. (laughs) 
I haven't even tried it yet, so I don't actually know whether to, you know, this is true authentic reactions. Did I nail it? Other than the viewers hearing me ape. You can wait. We can wait for Charlie to finish his. Very good. Very tasty. I feel like the pickles and the mustard work so well together, which you obviously know from going to any Maccas. Um, do I review the food out of 10, you reckon? If you want to. I'll give it a... Eight. Give it an eight. It's a pretty good score. Pretty good. Okay, well... This is a true independent yeah. podcast when you um, spill your ginger beer onto the computer. computer. So if you don't get this episode out and the episode quits, the show quits after this, you know, it's because I don't have a laptop anymore. So I'm going to pass it over to Charlie for his Aussie burger. Um, the Aussie burger actually looks quite, I think the word's juicy. Um, ooh, that's my pineapple gone. Here we go. Mm. That's an Aussie burger. I don't know which one's better. Mm. I gotta say, gotta say true. I gotta, I gotta say, the Aussie burger beats it. Why? It has more flavour. It's really. What's the word? Can't think of the word. Damn it. Um, I just like it. I like the pineapple. I like the beetroot. I like the mix of all those different flavors, the sweetness, and I like how there's the meat patty mixed with the pineapple, and it's different. However, it's just works so well together, and I love it. Do I try the fries? Oh my. I'm excited to try these. I've been staring at these quite a bit. Hmm. You got more salt if you need more salt. No, oh, that's all good. Actually, I might get more salt. I might help a little bit. The fries were the first thing you cook, so they're not still hot. That's the thing. How's the crunch? Are they crispy? The thin ones are really crispy. But the ones that are just a little bit bigger aren't as crispy, but still, they're better than a KFC fry, in my opinion. So, better than KFC, you hear that? That's pretty good. All right, well, yeah, it really does. It really does taste like a Macca's burger. I'm pretty impressed by that. Okay, now I'm trying the Aussie burger. Can't knock it, can you? Everyone does love an Aussie burger. Mmm. The McDonald's burger is like definitively American with like the mustard and the pickle. Yeah. It's like this flavor. Whereas the Aussie burger, it has like pineapple and and you know beetroot that cuts through like the creaminess of the aioli and the egg and the onion and the cheese 
and it just makes for a really really tasty experience it's that's like, like a disaster that works it's like summer <laughs> and then the chips I'm pretty impressed with the chips. The secret with these, which you'll see in the recipe, because, Charlie, if you want to make this yourself, you can go on our website, or in the show notes, or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, on all our pages, and you will find the recipe to be able to make your own McDonald's burger, your own Aussie burger, and your own home fries. So you're going to want to make these, because these are you're not going to have to wait until they're cold to talk about them. They're still yummy cold, but... Yeah, they're very good. Everyone can't knock a good chip. They're really addictive. Mm. And they're oven fried, so they're not actually that bad for you. Mm. Wow, Charlie and I really got into the nuts and bolts of this film, and I think we had a really deep and insightful conversation that was a lot of fun as well. Just a reminder to go and check out those three recipes, the McDonald's fries, the McDonald's burger, and the Aussie burger, all on our website in the show notes of this week's episode, wherever you can find it on all of our social medias, and go give that a, and go make that at home. It's lots of fun, and it's almost the same as McDonald's. We've talked about this movie enough. It's time to wrap things up in a bow. It's time to bring it all together. It's time to give our final ratings and reviews and our final thoughts. It's time to give our compliments to the chef. We're back. Charlie, we've come to the ratings portion, the final part of the episode. And so now we've got to tie tie everything up in a bow. And the way the ratings work is we give two ratings. Uh We give a film rating. So basically how you thought... I can't speak now. We give a film rating. So, how do you think the movie was? It's construction, it's quality, whether you liked it, how it made you feel, all of those kind of things. You've got to quantify that in a rating out of 10. Mm-hmm. Then, you've got to give me a food rating. So, yeah. the quality, quantity, amount, themes, all that kind of stuff, how the food contributes to the message of the story, wrap that in a number out of 10. Yeah. And then I'm going to give mine. And that gives us like a total score out of 40. So, okay. do you want me to go first? Or you do you go feel first. like you're you ready? First. I'll shock you a bit with mine. All right, all right. Okay, I'll start with, let's start with the film. Because I, I haven't really worked out my food rating yet. Okay, so for the film... Look, I was thinking I was going to give it a 6. What? But I think I've pushed it to a 7. Which, a 7? A 7. I'm going to settle on a 7. I feel like it's a good rating i was originally on a six because i it left me feeling slightly like this was a great story but it could have been better but then you um, realized that after that discussion that it yeah, yeah. and it, it, i do i look i think without a doubt there's cheesy dialogue it's maybe a little bit too over packaged to be too clean like i kind of wanted it to go like i kind of wanted there a bit me a bit more flair and a bit more vision I don't really fault the movie, but I, that's just sort of a personal preference. Um, but I really liked the performances. I really liked the story it was told. It was engaging. I think it had a lot of thematic weight to it. So, yeah, I really liked it. I'm going to give it a 7. What about you? <clears throat> Your film rating. 
I'm giving it around about an 8.5. 8.5. Now, hear me out. I'm giving it an 8.5 because of its themes and what it really brings up to the viewer and how it really looks at success and what true success is. But it also, it's all from Ray's perspective. Like, and that's what I feel like a lot of people didn't get when they watched the movie. They didn't realize that it was all from his perspective. Like, that's the reason why you didn't see a lot of characters sometimes. That's the reason why there was a scene, like you wouldn't see the McDonald's brothers for a fair amount of time and then all of a sudden they pop up. But you constantly hear of the McDonald's brothers, but they'd never be there. And then it was just all from Ray's perspective. And I really enjoyed it from Ray's perspective because it showed, well, it first tricked the viewer into thinking that Ray's the good guy. Ray's the guy we want to go for. Ray want, we want Ray to be successful. And that ends up happening. But by the end, you're thinking, actually, no. Ray did so many bad things. He tore down the legacy of McDonald's from what it was originally. And he also really just stole the whole idea of McDonald's. And you realize that Ray's actually the bad guy and everyone that he loved or loved him just eventually left him and he was fine with it because he wanted to be successful but in the end you realize was he actually fine with it wasn't he however the reason why i was an 8.5 and not like a 9 or a 10 or anything was because there was a lot of there was two plot holes that i didn't like and one of the major plot holes that i didn't like was the fact that just the relationships between ray's ray and his wife and then the other one between ray and his second wife and it was just a bit strange how they just ended up together like yeah they had scenes where there was a bit of a magical moment but it was not like the relationships weren't really built there wasn't Mm. a lot to care about there like you didn't really go oh can't believe he left his wife like you're like oh he he really cares anyway he barely was with her barely saw her and you also like oh cool he ended up with the other dude's wife like what's that gonna do like we didn't really care mm. we didn't care for his ex-wife like I feel like the director what's his name what's the director's name again? Pretty sure it's John Lee Hancock yeah John Lee Hancock he could have he could have showed that like I guess he could have showed more from Ethel's side like Ethel's his first wife how like how she was struggling more and that he could have brought more of Ethel into the story I felt but same with um, um, Joan as well he could have brought more from both those characters and I felt like there was a lot more that he could have done with the story like you're saying but also the movie still was a very good film it did show it, it was ultimately a success story and it, a success story of what Western society thinks is success and what it just raises a few questions which we discussed and I feel like 
it was very good on what its points were. Like, it did hit all the points that they were going for. However, there were a few plot holes, which I didn't like. Mm. Very well explained. Good rating. Okay. Let's move to the food ratings. So, I find it hard to rate the food here. Because not every film like that we're going to cover here on the Film and Food Podcast is going to be a movie like Chef. Or a movie like Ratatouille, Ratatouille which has a great movie. which has foods like in more scenes than not. Like there's with an abundant variety. Like they're both ten out of ten food in the film ratings for me, really? um, because there's just it's great. So I don't I don't really like I want to just judge the food in this movie based on more of a storytelling perspective rather than a I was sad we didn't see more food. Like yeah. Um, because that's just not that realistic. You're not going to just see tons of food in every movie. Um, so, I think like we have two scenes that are both pretty key pivotal thematic scenes to the movie, like the time the first burgers are made and the and the milkshake scene are both kind of really pivotal moments, food moments that add to the film. So I think I weigh a lot of that on it, and so I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with a seven. I'm just gonna seven. just do, or maybe maybe a six, a maybe six, a six. <laughs> maybe a seven. No, I'm sticking with seven. I think a seven. I think fourteen. That's it. I'm giving it at fourteen. Look, it's not a bad rating, but I can't give every movie a ten out of ten. Um, okay. I I feel like I've been. I feel like with a seven with the food, like they're both like there's pretty much just two food scenes kind of loses points but the way it gets to a seven is that they're both absolutely crucial to the theme absolutely crucial to the plot executed perfectly like they're really great and you remember them like you remember they're big parts of the plot and so a lot sometimes food in movies is just there to decorate the set or to, it's not really even talked about or mentioned or part of the movie hmm. whereas i think it definitely is that's why i give it a seven um out of 10 yeah which gives me a score of 14 out of 20 look it's not bad it's a very good it's, it's very, a pretty good yeah. score like i really enjoyed the movie mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna shock you okay go shock me. give it a, a 10 oh wow charlie's giving it a 10 why see the food i feel like was heaps pivotal and heaps crucial to the storyline they both like the burger the fries and the milkshake like that first scene where he originally ordered, that was basically symbolizing an idea. And you could tell that, we talked about it earlier, that it was an idea that came to him, which started basically the whole movie. Like that was, if you look at like a basic scaffold, like the hero's journey, that's when the journey started. But the minute he saw that Macca's burger and he received it, that was the start of the story and I feel like because of that impact it gives that scene and the food a lot more than you really think and you originally think like when I first saw it I was thinking oh he's, he's just getting a burger but then when you watch it the second time I have watched it twice you realize that earlier in the movie 
there was more food scenes than you actually think. There were scenes where he's waiting for his food service to come out to him. He'd get the wrong order. He would wait for ages and you'd see food come out undercooked, overcooked. And it shows, I feel like the food there really shows his life. Like it's all up and down. It's just all over the shop. It's not where he wants to be. And it's not who, like it describes him as a character at that point, I guess. And then when he sees that Macca's burger for the first time, I feel like that's the start of the movie and that's the start of when he hits this path and he hits this road and there's no looking back once he goes down it. And that's why I give the food a 10 from that scene. And then with the milkshake scene, I feel like it shows how he's changed as a character. And I feel like that milkshake scene set up the back half of the movie showing how like he tear he divorces his wife mm. he marries Joan he tramples all over the Mac's brother the McDonald's brother sorry <laughs> um, he starts operating at a much bigger scale and shows how powerful he's become and how careless he becomes and I feel like that milkshake scene showed so much in it. It showed so much different emotions, different parts of the movie that were about to come up. And I feel like the milkshake and the burger had so much more impact on the movie than everyone actually thinks. Mm. Because everyone thinks that it's actually the restaurant that really started everything. But I feel like, yes, the McDonald's name started a lot of the idea but it was the burger that first got him like wow 30 seconds and then the name everything just hit Mm -hmm. and then that was heaps pivotal to the plot and then the milkshake was just showing his true colours showing who he was then like who he's turned into and who he's become Mm. and so that's why I think I'm giving it a 10 I love it. <clears throat> I love that rating. I think um, I think that puts us, if I'm doing math correctly... 18.5 plus 14 is... 32.5. Yeah. Wow, that's a good score. 32.5 out of 40 for the founder. So, I know it's a definite recommend from Charlie. Yeah, I 100% recommend the movie. And it's a... Big recommendation from me. I'd, again, these are great movies that anyone can watch. There's no violence. There's nothing crazy it's about very it. Very family friendly. It's movie. a yeah. It's a great movie to watch, and yeah, it'll get you thinking about um, something that is in our everyday lives, like McDonald's. So, um, Charlie, do you have any very final, last, quick thoughts? Um, I was a bit upset that Ronald McDonald wasn't in it, but other than that, <laughs> that's really it. <laughs> Or the blue guy, the purple guy. What's oh, it? Oh, I can't remember his, his name. name. Oh, no, that's with a G. A, uh, there's also that other guy the, with red the, the hair. Burglar. With the burglar. There's the burglar. Yeah, that that guy, the red hair and the black and white striped suit, and then there's then there's the 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 duck lady. Is that? Yeah, it? yeah. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Fact check that one. Um, my <laughs> final thoughts, which just came into my head, is I really like the scene when he's explaining how he likes the McDonald's name. Yeah, um, I love that. How he's just talking about like 
He's just like it's the the name is the number one thing that he saw in it, which is pretty crazy. But like, just that the name McDonald's it flows so well off the tongue. Like it's obviously and it can be it's become a Macca's in Australia. But like, it's it is like it's a very American name. It sounds like any possibility rather than something like Croc, which or KFC or yeah. And you know, I just found that a really insightful little thing that he was talking about and just shows you that there is power in names and so mm. yeah that's that's Maybe my final thoughts go watch this movie um i bought the blu-ray because i always buy the blu-rays of the movies review on the show but you can get this on blu-ray you can rent this i'm sure you can it's on netflix it's on netflix so there's plenty of ways you can go watch this make sure you go and do so and yeah charlie thanks for coming on oh good it was a big was, discussion, wasn't it? It was a blast. Eight burgers, Chad movies. Yeah, exactly. Good times. Basically what we do anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just put it on a recording. No, um, <laughs> it's really good to have you here. We'd love to have you back. And yeah, that probably wraps up our time. Yeah. See you later. Catch you later. Well, that about does it for this week's episode, a film and food review of The Founder. Thank you again to Charlie Bennett for coming on the show. I think we had an amazing conversation and I'm so, so excited to have you back on the podcast as soon as possible. If you enjoyed this podcast, can I ask you a favor? Can you give us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast player, preferably Apple Podcasts? Your five-star ratings and reviews are a huge help to getting our show up the ranks on all of the different podcast players. And this helps us get into the ears of the people that need to hear us. We want to grow a lot in 2021. We want to make great episodes and we want to expand our audience and our community more and more. And so your five-star ratings and reviews are so, so appreciated. And thank you to all who have already given one already. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, Himalaya, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Google Play, Deezer, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Basically, wherever there's podcasts, we'll be there. Make sure you email us. The address is fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. I'll say that again, fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. And join us on social media. Let us know how you went with the three recipes. What did you think of the founder? Give us feedback. Suggest a movie to review. The most important thing is to join the conversation. Until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening.